0: Hey, hey! All right, we are live. Yes, we are live. Wow, that's right. <laughs> yeah. It's good. Hey, um, it's good to see everybody. Yeah, we, we got a lot of fun things to talk about yeah. tonight. But I gotta say right off, um, I saw one of the most beautiful things that, uh, that so, I could see. Yeah. Okay. And it's in the uh, eye of the beholder. I must Denise, say, Denise, yeah. can we get you to come up here <laughs> just for a second? Just for a second. Come on, come on up here. Now you say, well, you're, you know, um, I want you. This is Denise. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Faith she's here. here every week. He just turn around. Do you see <laughs> well, what I'm talking about? New England Patriots. Absolutely yeah. amazing. Thank you so yeah. much. Yeah. Oh God's. It children. truly is in the uh, eye to behold. Yes, yes. Yes. No, that's good. <laughs> that made my heart happy. Um <laughs> for all you Patriots fans out there. One one and one? One we're one With and the, one. But, yeah. Oh man, we're playing the New Orleans Saints coming up.
1: Oh yeah, the Ants. So, the Aints. Be, Aints. Yeah,
0: yeah. So Ted's favorite team. Something happened today at 3.21. Does anybody know what happened at 3.21? Let's see if our gallery knows. Um, 3.21 today, something happened. I knew what was going to happen before it even happened, so it's not like... They
1: blew the horn on our 18 holes. They did? a hole 10, yeah. That was probably 3.20. It was was about 3 something,
0: yeah. Wow. You sure it wasn't because you were on your cell phone?
1: no you know, it wasn't I, I, I had my shirt tucked in yeah, too yeah
0: yeah um, Brian let's say I know they're 90 seconds behind us but mm-hmm. um, 321 let's see if anybody out there is this gift card I think this is gift card level <laughs> oh uh, we'll throw you a Starbucks at, gift card okay $5 <laughs> gift certificate 321 you can't google anything out there yeah um, don't look at the Simon, screen of my zoomed uh, in yes yes don't look yes Anybody know what happens today at 321 Eastern Standard Time?
1: EST. That means it
0: was happening in Bangkok at a different time.
1: That's right. Time uh, zones.
0: Uh, anybody give us an answer yet? I hate to waste all this time, but no, no, not not I'm they're being so childish. No, well, I'm going to give you the answer. Okay. Okay. The equinox occurred. Boom. At three twenty-one, it is officially autumn. Boom. Summer is over. See you later, yeah, summer. At three days, get your sorry. You been, it's nice knowing yeah, you. Yeah, it's like yeah. Oh man, I tell you what, I love it. Autumn started. The leaves are already bright yellow. Dead, yeah, yeah. I mean <laughs> dead. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's do a little bit of. We're gonna do a little bit of. Uh, I studied about it just for mm-hmm. tonight. Uh, so at 321, the equinox, or equinoxium, mm. in its original Latin, mm-hmm. it, it means equal day, equal night. Um, so go. we're at that point. 12 you know, hours, 12 that's hours, right? right. right. So it says, yeah. and it's not perfect. a perfect number. The Earth is on like a 23-degree <laughs> axis angle. I think to it's too specific. <laughs> you know, it's got something to do with that. Um, so... Uh, This is referred to as an astronomical season. Mm. What I didn't know before today is that there are two ways to evaluate season. There's astronomical and there are meteorological seasons. Mm. Okay. And here's the thing. The... Astrological astronomical, not astrological, because that's a whole Pisces yeah, Aquarius yeah. thing. Let's not go down uh way. no, it's got, a story like that's gotta be true. It's gotta be true. <laughs> uh, but it's uh you know, we talk about the equinox and the winter and summer solstice and things like that. Um but uh the meteorological fall is relates to the seasons as we experience them. Mm. So for instance, Uh, March 1st to May 31st is spring. That's when you would expect spring to happen. Well, it's not really the dates that it happens in in the um, astronomical way. Uh, June 1st to August 31st is summer. Um, September 1st to November 30th is uh, autumn. And then December 1st to February 28th is winter. And that's how we really experience Mm it meteorologically. So, there are a whole group of people that work for the Weather Channel. Yeah. And Bill Sharp and all those guys yeah. that f- this is how they do it. So, so,
1: so Brian, do you, do you know of anybody that's um, gotten this answer correct?
0: Yeah. So, uh, I was watching what
1: they're watching live mm-hmm. time wise mm-hmm. to see if they answer in the chat before yeah. they hear it. Right. And, uh, yeah, we got Simon, Simon said the solstice. Solstice but for then, Simon. Jeff Mctt uh, Jeff Mackey said equinox Equinox uh, yes okay so solstice is outstream yeah Jeff Mackey said equi- equinox before we even said it
0: Wow that's Boom. good Jeff I'm glad you're out there and good job It's great to hear from you and man that's good yeah, yeah Simon you know you got a solstice wrong. Yeah. You know I'm just like I, I said season. that same thing earlier, it's like yeah. showing up for a party six months late, you know, so it's sorry, Simon, keep up the good work um, we love you no no um so now, let me just tell you we're going to talk about how the equinox is celebrated by people throughout the world. today is the uh, Roman held festival dedicated to ponoa, and please let me just say if you. Pomona. Uh, uh, Pomona? Pomona, Okay, if you're from any of these, she's the uh, goddess of fruits and growing things. What's that? Growing things? I mean, like, I got something growing on my arm. (laughs) She's She's the the goddess goddess of of that?
1: Exactly. Okay, so she's... Not specific So (laughs) I got
0: something here that she's the goddess of. Uh, But however, the most famous ancient myth, they don't know, uh, comes from Greek mythology on the onset. Of fall is closely related to the story of the abduction of how would you pronounce her name, Persephone. 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 Yeah. Um, also called Cory. I would say Cory. Cora. Or Cora. Okay. Yeah. yeah. She was a goddess who was abducted from her mother, harvest goddess Demeter. De- yeah. yeah you know her, Demeter. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Um, uh, <laughs> Who doesn't know it? Demeter? I yeah. know. I think I saw her name written on a wall someplace. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. And then taken to the underworld to become the wife of Hades, the mm-hmm. god king of the underworld. Yeah. After a period of mourning and struggle, uh, Demeter eventually got her daughter back from Hades. Mm-hmm. Um, That's great. That must have been a sight. That must have been. But only for nine months of the year. Hmm. Nine months. Boom. Hmm. Oh, yeah. So every fall, go. she would return to the underworld to spend three months with with her hellacious her hellacious husband. Halacious. Ah, didn't get it? Hades? Yeah. Hellacious? That's a good joke. That is good. That's it for us. We'll see you next week. <laughs> All right. Close this out in prayer. During those months, which are, correspond to winter, uh, Demeter refused to use her divine skills to make things grow. Uh, that explains this, why this thing during wintertime doesn't grow. Um, it explaining does. why we have three months of winter. Okay. Mm. There's another religion. How about take us through this one? The Wicca. Wicca, yeah. Wicca, this is Wicca. W i c c a. Wicca, awesome. Yeah, yeah. In the UK. Yum. Yeah. That's the United
1: Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Followers of the Wicca religion, druids and pagans also gather at Stonehenge. Oh man. Yeah, the famous five thousand year old site of Wiltshire. Wow. Wiltshire
0: and Keslerig. Oh
1: and uh. Another megalithic stone circle near Keswick in Cumbria to watch the sunrise on the day of the equinox.
0: Wow. That all happened today, folks. Yeah, today. What were you doing today when... when those Yahoo's were dancing around the Stonehenge. <laughs> nothing but respect for all religions. Nothing, yeah, nothing. Uh, I'm calling. I'm calling bull on Wicca. Okay, I'm sorry. I mean, I salute some of the other folks out there, uh, like this group.
1: Yeah, the Mayan Snake of Sunlight.
0: Yeah, with a name like that. Okay, so uh, tell us about that one. <laughs>
1: at the pres- at the precise moment of the equinox, when the sun shines directly this on the equator, mm-hmm. an enormous snake of sunlight slithers down the stairs of the main pyramid of the Chichen Itza in Mexico.
0: Wow, now the Mayans who constructed the ancient temple used advanced astronomical cal- calculations to determine the exact angle of this event on mm-hmm. the staircase. That's pretty smart. Yeah. Okay, I don't think I could do that today. Yeah. You know, we think like we're the smartest people to ever watch, we're so highly evolved. Yeah. But you know, if my TV was to break, I wouldn't know how to fix it or reinvent it. No, I'd be like, oh yeah, I mean, yeah. So. yeah. yeah. somebody find me a cathode yeah. ray tube. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, you know. I mean, there'd be just no way. So people
1: give him too much, too much um, crap for the uh, 2012 thing.
0: Right, right, really, right. The mind, yeah, kind of earth.
1: Discount all of it, but yeah, you're right.
0: Yeah, uh, six days of he gone. In Japan. Yeah. Tell us about that one. Since Higan you, or Higone. Okay, now, now be respectful on this one because this represents a religion that's right. like one third of the earth. Right, right. We, we can't take that many. The Germans can't we can take tick off, that, but not these it, people. No. Okay, <laughs> no, go ahead.
1: Oh, no, no. It's a six-day Buddhist celebration in Japan during both the September and March equinoxes. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Both equinoxes have been national holidays since the Meiji period. Yeah, 1868. You remember that, right? Nineteen twelve. Yeah. That's
0: when decorations was heavy moths and gold. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like our nineteen nineties. Yeah, with the
1: feather dusting in there. <laughs> yeah, by chance, yeah. Yeah. Hagan means the other shore. <laughs> I'm trying to do it phonetically. Yes. <laughs> means the other shore. You're refers to the a large population <laughs> But they here, know but... my heart. Okay. Go ahead. It refers to the spirits of the dead reaching Nirvana. Yeah. It is a time to remember the dead by visiting, cleaning and decorating their
0: graves. Yeah, so this is a time when the dead spirits arrive in uh, Nirvana, Mm. which is, I mean, that's right. And then there's another one. Ooh, this is an interesting one.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, How would you pronounce that? Navaratri. Navaratri. Wow, it's a Hindu festival that lasts several days. Um, The festival honors the divine feminine... Divi, mm-hmm. um, or Durga, mm-hmm. she prefers Divi. I she would, is. if I was oh, a d- female Durga deity, <laughs> Durga would not be what I would want to yeah. be called. You know what I mean? Yeah. I could say, like, maybe behind her back, I'd be yeah. like, hey, she's such a Durga. <laughs> uh, but Divi is who she is, mm-hmm. and it's celebrated in the first half of the Hindu uh, calendar month of Ashvin, mm-hmm. which falls in the months of September and October. Mm-hmm. A lot of good stuff there, folks. Yeah. So I don't know how you spent your day. At three twenty-one, yeah. gongs and cymbals and sitars and a lot of hooch <laughs> was being smoked <laughs> um, on this day. So September good stuff. September twenty-second, September yeah, two thousand twenty-one. So, all right. So before we go into the word, <laughs> I want you to pray for us,
1: <laughs> Lord. Thank you so much for this evening. Thank you that um, you have built into how we even do this through seasons, and we get to see all the wonderful beauty of your creation through these times. And I just I pray that you're blessed this evening as we continue to discuss leadership and how, um, how you really desire for us to walk in the steps that you laid out for us. And um, thank you for your word and that it, that it can lead us in this way. We love you.
0: Amen. Amen. So last week we, we finished up establishing some important elements mm-hmm. of leadership. We talked about passion. We talked about persuasion. We talked about personhood or mm-hmm. the appeal of credibility in a person's life. Um, and all of this is regardless of the title that you may have in life. So we're going to be talking a little bit more about leadership today. And one of the things that I wanted to challenge is this idea that there are some people who are leaders and then there are people who are followers and that you're either a natural born leader or you're not a leader Mm -hmm. and um and i think we do this in america a lot and we'll categorize people as leaders and non-leaders but what we're finding is in christianity that that's not the case Uh, american language breaks down people into categories a lot of different ways and for instance you could call somebody an innovator Um, or visionary or manager supervisor employee worker implementer whatever and these are all different descriptions that we may occupy during the day Um, and I think in America we tend to think as there are certain professions that are more leadership than they are others like for instance some people would say that a nurse is not a leader Mm -hmm. she's a caregiver Mm-hmm. So we would, in America, we would break out nurses, maybe the charge nurse was the leader, but everybody else was just followers and uh, that they were caregivers. And that's really only something that we do as Americans, that we would say, well, like the dad is a leader and the mom is a follower, you know, in in, in kind of archaic ways of putting it. Um, but yeah, well, what we're going to find out today is that, that being a leader is a person of influence and it doesn't matter if you're a visionary, doesn't matter if you're a mom, you're, you're helping somebody move down the path, whatever that path may be. Anytime you help another human being down a path, you are a leader. So that path may be called parenting. Mm -hmm. So whenever a mom or a dad helped their child down a path, they are, um, that's leadership. You Mm -hmm. used a quote by Frederick, Frederick Douglass, today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what was that quote again?
1: It's, uh, it says, it's easier to build a child than to repair a broken man.
0: Wow. Isn't that incredible? But that goes to speak to the power and the responsibility of leadership in parenting. Mm-hmm. But in America, it'd be, I, I see it's particularly with males, particularly males my age, you know, um, I think we see a lot in football. Mm-hmm. We'll see a great coach that has, I don't know, like a Jimmy Johnson, that Hall of Fame coach, amazing coach, all this other stuff, college coach. Um, I don't know what his family life is like. I don't know how many times he's been married or if he has a good relationship with his kids. But a lot of times we'll say, well, he was a leader. And, but yet his wife is home taking care of the kids. Well, she's not a leader because she's not leading a football team or a a fortune 500 company Mm -hmm. and um but anytime you lead somebody down a path you're you are a person of influence and that's leadership but in america Mm -hmm. we tend to reserve that for certain kinds of um, positions Mm -hmm. uh the path may be called pastoring there's leadership in that whether you're a small group leader whether you're a, um, a lead pastor a worship leader the path may be called discipleship you may be helping mentor somebody in a relationship that's leadership you're helping that human being move down the path that's one of our goals here at Crossout. is i i don't have it in my head that i'm radically going to transform your life that's not my job is for you to take the next step in your relationship with god that's that's all i i want to accomplish is the next step the next the step after that i may not be here for or you may not be here for mm-hmm. so my job is just for you to take the next step that 's the power of influence that uh, the path may be manufacturing, you know, so we would look at us, Steve Jobs or who's the gentleman that took his place oh, Tim cook Tim, Tim Cook mm-hmm. um, you know we would look at it and say, wow, that's a visionary, that person's a leader, you know, but I think anytime every one of us is Influencing another person's life, we are a leader. So, to this idea of being born a leader or born a follower, I think it's kind of bogus. I think it's an American invention. Everybody in the kingdom of God is called to be a leader. We're all supposed to be uh, exerting some influence. Believe it or not, according to American terms of leadership, the Good Samaritan was not a leader. He was, we'd call him what, a, a servant? Um, Somebody's very compassionate, mm-hmm. but yet he... He's not speaking at the next conference. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> right. The he's the not in speaker. charge. Yeah. He's not the boss, yeah. all that. But he stops, changes the direction of another person's life, and influences that life. That's leadership. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's another guy from the Bible that uh, um, we don't need. He's like one of the 12 disciples, mm-hmm. but we don't talk about him much.
1: Yeah, yeah. We we've established I know them well the twelve disciples yeah
0: right, yeah yeah you, um, <laughs> Andrew yeah Andrew yes yeah okay so we d- Andrew we don't know a lot about mm-hmm. we understand that he's the brother of Peter and we understand um, uh, I think that's pretty much we that's, know about yeah, him that's what we know yeah yeah but there, there's something significant about his life first one is that uh, he brings his brother Peter mm-hmm. to Christ and that's the first one yeah. So he's the guy who leads the future one of the head of the church. church
1: yeah upon this rock I'll build my <laughs> yeah yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah so so here's the guy that influences that guy so because he doesn't write a book in the Bible well he wasn't a very big leader he was just a good follower it's like that's bogus he brought Peter mm-hmm. um, you know what else Andrews responsible for bringing the Greeks to Jesus mm. Andrew's constantly going getting People, like lost puppies and he brings them to Jesus all the time so he brings Peter next time we see Andrew he's got this bunch of Greek guys he met at a bar and, he's, and he tells them about the Christ and then he brings the Greeks to uh, Jesus mm-hmm. in today's church we'd be like well he's not really a leader he's just a he's just a f- really good follower yeah. but I would say that's absolutely bogus mm-hmm. so um, leadership is providing a path and it's providing empowerment, and anytime you do it, so mm-hmm. the path—I I would say the path—is the the template of how you live life and enable people to show them where what they're going. The empowerment is—I call it the loving shove—is mm. that you just shove somebody just a little bit further down the road. You, you're kind of like the force that moves upon their life. For them to take a step down that path because mm-hmm. um, telling somebody about the path is not enough i think that's more kind of like giving information we i, I that's why i don't like being called a preacher because it means I, I sound like it's a phrase that refers to me being somebody who disseminates information i preach at you but i don't want to preach at anybody i don't want to just declare the path i want to be a part of the shove the movement of helping somebody down the path not just telling them there's the path and you know turn or burn Mm -hmm. but rather i want to i want to be a part of that and i think that's i think that's what real leadership is i think it's both components Mm -hmm. so um uh, I mean, you got to see that as being a dad of oh, boys. Yeah. I was
1: mean, being dad of boys. You can see it being, I mean, you're really just trying to help your kids reach the full potential
0: yeah. that they've been
1: given. But it's not, it's just a little, yeah. you know.
0: <laughs> Do you feel when you go home, you, I mean, you're wearing, uh, what hat is that? The Angels? It's Atlanta Braves. A- Atlanta Braves, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, Don't be sorry. Baseball, okay. no, believe me. There's it was, it was golf, blue. and then there's baseball, right? And I said, I'm not even, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, Do you feel you take your leadership hat off when you leave here? Or do you feel like you're just kind of switching that baseball hat around and now it says dad on the front? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Switching
1: that thing around. Yeah. Dad on it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. There's no no taking it off anything. Right, right.
0: (laughs) To turn it over to somebody else. When I'm walking through the grocery store, I feel that. Yeah. I feel like I'm getting, I'm shopping but I feel like, okay, at any point, you may need to provide a path and empowerment for somebody in this store. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying like a, an active shooter type of situation. I'm just talking about I may have some conversation with the person at the checkout counter. I actually strive to have a conversation with the check. They get a little nervous when I come around because I, I'll be like, I'll see their name tag. You know, and I'll be, hey, Bill, uh, how's it going? Bill, you look like you're, is this your, have you been doing this all your life? Because he'll be like 70, you know, and I know he hasn't been doing it all his life, but just in case. Just trying to start Like, Bill, yeah. sorry, you know, you've you been doing, no, no, what would you do before this, Bill? And he's click, you know, beep, beep, you know, and all that stuff. I'm trying to lead him down a path to have a conversation that somehow at the end of it all, that maybe I could cheer him up. <laughs> you know say thank you for your service you're in the military um just something that he shares about his life just to make him feel a little bit better about that day um i consider that leadership i don't consider it just well you're very gregarious Mm -hmm. and if you use your gregarity to move somebody down Mm -hmm. a path then that's uh, uh, le- leadership, yes, leadership. Uh, yeah. <laughs> gregarity he ought to have gregarity
1: uh, and leadership yes that's right <laughs>
0: um, so leadership is not about being the leader uh, it's not about a feather in your cap because now you're in management a- anybody ever worked for a company where they wore different hats Be- when you were a leader like on a construction site mm-hmm. most of the workers wear yellow hats and then the bosses come out, management come out, or usually the college yeah. grads, and they'd all Engineers. wear white hats. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, and it was like you had a different colored hat because you were in management. Mm-hmm. And, and and I remember it was kind of like it's really cool. You get this different colored hat. Mm-hmm. Or in my in when I worked at Santee Cooper. When you
1: were going to Myrtle Beach. When I was yeah. going to Myrtle Beach to yeah. play miniature
0: golf. <laughs> but when uh it, it was all about the multi-line phone with the quartz oh, display man. or the beeper oh, and that man. you wanted to go to church and or wherever you went to show off. Your pager
1: on your hand. Yeah, you had yeah. your
0: pagers like, oh yeah, I'm sorry, I'm on call. <laughs> I'm on call. <laughs> i And it meant that you were in management. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I remember when the first PCs were made. This company called Compaq. Oh yeah, I had uh, a Compaq. Yeah, so this Compaq was about like that mm-hmm. big and the face came off of it and it's that was where the keyboard <laughs> yeah, was right. and the monitor was about that size yeah um but i remember walking out to the parking lot you know when the whistle blew and fred will uh flintstone and all the rest and barney mm. rubble will all walk into their car yeah, yeah. and i had my giant 35 pound laptop with me yeah um so, uh, but it, it was like proof of superiority. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, I am so important. They want me to take my work home with yeah. me. You see that you guy's know? laptop? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um uh, I love. I don't know if you guys ever saw the movie Braveheart. It's one of the greatest movies ever, ever made. <laughs> ever I, made. I think uh who was that guy that was Mel Gibson.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think he wrote it. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. he wrote it and directed it and starred in it. Yeah. Okay. trifecta that's that's, that's how pretty, he rolls yeah <laughs> um, but he actually makes a statement in there people are fighting for power of Scotland I'm gonna have to have you read this that so start good. start practicing oh, how Scotland's be, a hard one okay yeah but uh, they're arguing about who's gonna be in charge of these feudal lords that are mm. arguing over power and William Wallace decides he's just gonna walk out of this argument that they're having all these family tribal people are having And he makes this quote to them. You uh, You
1: think the people of this country exist to provide you with a position? I think your position exists to provide those people with freedom. And I go to make sure they have it.
0: Oh, that (laughs) was good, huh? (laughs) (laughs) That that was good. I tried. No, Mm. that was fantastic. But that's it. You know, people use leadership in America to get themselves mm-hmm. a position. I mean, we see this all the time in politics. Mm-hmm. But rather, your position exists so that you can provide other people with a path to freedom. Mm-hmm. And that's what leadership is is all about. So the scripture gives us an example of a man who does this. And he's going to be our mentor for a couple weeks.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, he's not a politician, so he doesn't have that motivation. He didn't own his own business. Uh, he wasn't next in line for something great so it wasn't like somebody died or somebody turned over the corporation for him or promotion. Uh, He actually poured drinks for a living, Hmm. which is kind of an interesting position to lead from. But uh, he was a valet to a very important person. Uh, Matter of fact, he held a position that uh, because he had a lot of credibility. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we don't know anything about his education or his training. We just know that he had passion that he had character, and that uh, he had the persuasion of God in his life. So we're going to be talking about the leadership of Nehemiah. Are uh, you guys familiar with who Nehemiah is? There's a book in the Bible about him. It's uh, it's really good. Um, so we're going to find out that his leadership emerges out of his passion and his influence emerges out of his credibility. And so we're going to take a look at how he leads because mm-hmm. we can learn a lot from him about leadership. So... Let's just set up some background here in case you're not familiar with Nehemiah, and I, I understand that you wouldn't be. Jewish history begins with Abraham at approximately 2,000 B.C. So kind of lock that number in a timeline. 2,000 B.C. was when we're talking Abraham. But it won't be until 1,000 years after that that Israel begins to become a regional significant nation. Mm-hmm. So we don't know that we don't normally think of it that long, but it, it it really does. It takes about a thousand years to go from Abraham until we end up with Saul, David, and Solomon. That's a, that's a, and, and you know. And I actually, in my notes, I I had in there uh, that they become a world power. It's like. No, nobody became a world power. Nobody yeah. on the world knew that the other persons <laughs> were there. So yeah. it's kind of interesting. But um, for, for three successive kings, Israel's flag flew over the nation. Mm-hmm. Okay? Um, and it was recognized as a major uh, military power under King David's 40-year reign. So that's where they are. And the reason why I'm telling you this history is because I want you to correlate it the history of the United States a little bit into where we are because we need Nehemiah's today Nehemiah is a very important illustration Um, upon his death David then takes the throne and he turns it over to Solomon Mm -hmm. Solomon just compromises the heck out of it and um, compromises with the world and God kind of issues an edict that okay I'm gonna have to judge the nation for this uh, when Solomon dies there's kind of a schism inside of the nation mm-hmm. and it's like equivalent to the American Civil War and we've got the north and the south and it's all broken up we have that they get the northern kingdom and then the southern kingdom Judah and we have uh, Jerusalem mm-hmm. so they're, they're kind of like separated so this whole really cool thing is now politically divided they are fighting people from the outside and also there's warring going on in the inside So God finally judges uh, Israel in 722 when the Assyrians invade Mm. and the land of Judah and and Jerusalem are separated and it remains a Jewish nation for about 300 years. So now we've got this thing that's broken up. In 586, the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar invades Jerusalem and Judah and takes the people captive. So things have gone from bad to worse in Jerusalem. This begins what's known as the Babylonian captivity. They burned the house of God, the temple, and they broke down the protective walls around the city. They, all the fortified cities were, were destroyed and all the valuable um, objects of the temple are, are taken and were used for pagan worship. Mm-hmm. So everything, this great nation is broken up political unrest inside and out spiritual compromise judgment of God comes upon it and it's just not in its great glory so after the Babylonian takeover Jerusalem is totally leveled everything's laid waste dogs are just running around eating the remains of whatever's there the armies of Babylon have marched back home with stuff from Judah uh, the jews living in jerusalem at the time were bound together chained like slaves and then uh, taken to um, to babylon a trek of more than 800 miles so that's the condition where we're about to meet nehemiah and that's mm-hmm. that's what is about to take place so 800 miles away from jerusalem nehemiah a captive is in the service now. Um, so by the time Nehemiah comes around, Cyrus has died and the Medo-Persia has, uh, is now being led by Artaxerxes. Mm-hmm. Nehemiah is now about to be used by God to rebuild the city walls in Jerusalem. So why, I know that's a lot of history, but why is that relevant today? We'll just start doing some correlating either in your personal life or in the life of this country. Uh, moments of success have been replaced by loss mm-hmm. marriages and families crumble into into ruin glory is replaced by captivity all control replaced by the dictation of debt and addictions life becomes defined by settlements alimony child support bankruptcies relationships are clouded with bitterness and regret Um. Israel's story is not really that strange to us we may not be able to relate with the different players that are involved but I think the players are here today we have political unrest we're divided as a country Um, we're under threat from a viral uh, Mm -hmm. enemy Um, we're looking at inflation square in the face we've I mean there's so many things this former glory of a country is now we're seeing a like rubble it's starting to fall apart and um the ungodliness Mm -hmm. is prevalent we've turned our our hearts away from god so it's 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 really fresh as far as i'm concerned Mm -hmm. and so that's why we need leaders we need leaders just as god is going to work through nehemiah um and Nehemiah responds to the need of his day. That's what makes him a leader. Not because of his position. Not because he was about to get a pay raise. None of that's going on here. He is going to respond because of the need of the day. So, God is going to use him. And we're going to take a look at Nehemiah and how he responds. Because unless somebody changes, unless somebody leads, the rubble is not, it's just going to grow. Um, Things with, with young people in America is going to get worse. Marriages are going to get worse. Families don't just get better because we get older. I think I'm, I'm learning that. Just because you get older doesn't mean your marriage gets better. Mm-hmm. Um, matter of fact, people my age and above are the fastest divorcing group in America right now. Because everybody is... is you remember that fly in A Bug's Life? That fly he's, being, he's in that restaurant? and uh he's getting served margaritas by a mosquito <laughs> and uh remember remember what he says no i don't remember he, what he, he, says. he says i got 24 hours of living and i ain't wasting it here <laughs> and i really do think people who are like in their 60s and above their kids have moved away grandkids live in another state and they look at the person they've been married to for the last 30 years and they're like listen i only got 20 more years on this planet and i'm not wasting it here Mm -hmm. And we're seeing an epidemic of grandpa and grandmas getting divorces and just wanting to start life over with somebody else. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. um, so we need somebody to stand up. So why don't you read us? This is when Nehemiah, I I think it's really important to see how Nehemiah responds in all this. Mm -hmm. So why don't you read to us out of, um, the book of Nehemiah, uh, and tell, uh, let's see what it says. Mm
1: -hmm. It says, I was in Susa, the capital. Hanani, one of my brothers, and some men from Judah came. And I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped and had survived the captivity and about Jerusalem. They said to me, the remnant there in the province who survived the captivity are in great distress and reproach. And the wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are burned with
0: fire. Okay. So, now here's the interesting thing. Nehemiah is immediately concerned about the condition of life of others. Um, he is in one of the major cities of the Persian Empire. I mean, opulence. Uh, he is the cupbearer to the king Artaxerxes, one of the greatest rulers in the history of mankind. He is standing next to him every day and handing and handing him the cup. I guess he takes sips of it before to find mm-hmm. out if he's pregnant. But the bottom line, he's... He's right where, this is a pretty good position. Mm -hmm. Um, He is culturally disconnected from anything Jerusalem. And that's very important. He's not connected to anybody there. He's from there. His people are from there. But they've been in exile for a long time. So his immediate, it's not like his parents are still there. Mm -hmm. Um, It's 800 miles away from the problem. And he is living in the New York City of his time, or the Tokyo of his time. He didn't come from a great family, so he's not like, uh, you know, one of the uh, Windsors. You know, like he's connected to the line of the tribe of Judah, and that his dad sat on the throne, or mm. his grandpa, whatever it is. So, so my my point is this: is that he is so far removed genetically geographically in in heredity in every way that you can possibly name but yet he's still concerned about them that's leadership is is when we can cast our concern for another person even when we've got all this disconnect between us and them Mm-hmm. I, and I think that's why I see the Samaritan, the Good Samaritan, as a leader. There was so much disconnect between him and the man that he saved. He had a lot of reasons why he could have just walked right past him. You know, well, you know, he's not one of my people, or those people are bad to my people, or I don't have time for this. Um, all the reasons that you could possibly use. And so here is Nehemiah. He's in a place, and in it, it, he could have easily. He said, "But I asked them concerning the Jews, Um, and then they told him about all the distress that had happened in there." Uh, Nehemiah takes his all that he's got, and he asks the question about how things going with this group of people, the Jews. And I, I kind of coined it this way: is that he's in the phase of empathy and evaluation. I want to know how you feel and where are you now in your journey? That is a big leadership question. Mm -hmm. I would even say that that's one of the ways you step into leadership, into a person's life is not telling them what to do, but I want to know how you feel at this moment and where are you now? What a beautiful leadership question. See, American leadership usually phrase it this way: "This is where I am, and if you want to be like me, you need to be where I'm at." But Nehemiah is like, "No, no, no! I, I need to know how you feel. How, how's your marriage going? How's your life going? How's your day feel? How's your bad back feel? Mm-hmm. You know, where are you now? You, you dealing with depression today? You, you know, and and asking another person where they are, inquire. So it's." The empathy and evaluation phase. A lot of times we run in, and I think I'm just going to speak for men, um, but we tend to run in and want to fix something.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Susan will tell me, yeah, I've had a bad day, I'm frustrated, and I'll be like, what is it? Tell me what is it? And I'll be like, just tell me what do you want me to fix? Okay, I'll, I'll fix it. And, but the work of empathy and evaluation needs to go on before any action takes place mm-hmm. so i think this is really important can you imagine if a leader whether it's at home or at your church if they immediately just said hey tell me how you are feeling today and where do you feel you're at mm-hmm. can you imagine it with your spouse you know i i have a 1950s background i was born in the 50s and it's kind of like i think a little bit like that so, usually, when the man out of the house came home, and I got, let me use my dad for an in- instant, and he didn't know it any better, but what he would do is we'd come home, and there was a list of our names, all eight of us, the list, and next to it was a job that we were supposed to accomplish during the day. And he'd walk in the door, I'd hit. there was a little bell that was on the top of the but uh the door that rang that was perfect timing say and when the bell hurt we were all kind of like little squirrels we were just like running to our rooms you know and and he'd like uh john you know paul he'd go through all the lists of anthony francis peter and then i'd be like you know yeah bob hey paul did you finish painting the porch I mean, I was like eight. The whole thing. Okay. Oh yeah, I had the, seriously the whole porch. I mean, and he and he wanted me to scrape it first. Oh baby. Yeah. Oh, it was like, and you know, I had that job for like five years. <laughs> every t- every time he'd come home. Ah, yeah. uh, what kind of progress did you make with the porch? You know, and it was like, he thought that was leadership. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I remember he'd come home, if my mom didn't have something smelling good when he walked in the door and didn't have his martini ready, and he liked his... M- oh Oh, <laughs> man, he loved his martini. He put on some Frank Sinatra. Oh, yeah. Or uh, ben, uh, Glenn, Glenn Miller. Lie me to the moon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm telling you, life didn't go happy for him. He expected his leadership to be honored by his return. Um, by everybody under his authority to say, how was your day? How is, you know, what do you need, Dad? And it's just the opposite. We use our position to concern ourselves with people that may be 800 miles away from us and we're interested in what's going on in their lives. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I think that's a, a big first step for us, especially if you're married. I, I Well, I would also say, this is true if you're a dad or a mom, because I know you're in a hurry, you know, you pick up your, Oldest son, both of them. Okay, yes. now in my mind, I'm visualizing, uh, daddy, daddy's home too. Mark Wahlberg out there, working the driving line at the school, right, and everybody right. the, yeah. sliding, walking a the door. Yeah, yeah. And the yeah. door, kids hopping, get in the car, get in the car. Yeah. You know, kids get in the car and you drive on. Yeah. But could you imagine if your kids get in the car and you say, "Hey, how you feeling today? How'd it go today? Where are you at today? Was it a good day? Yeah, it was a good day, Dad." You know, that's leadership. Um, My dad, when again, when he was younger, uh, I remember him one time fussing at me. And he again, he made great strides and towards the end of his life was absolutely amazing. But I can remember him getting yelling, yelling at all of us. It's like, you want me to be the pretty bunch dad? That's not a dad. Wayne, I'm Brady. Not just, you know, it was like, I'm not to about your feelings. You know, and it's like he's, because yeah, he hated the Brady Bunch. Oh, yeah. He hated that dad. And I think he might have been spot on on that one. I mean, the Brady Bunch, that dude was a <laughs> doofus anyway. But, um, but I, I, I don't think they, they saw leadership as you putting, setting everything in order as opposed to empowering Mm -hmm. illuminating a path and then empowering the person to move down the path Mm -hmm. i I don't think pop got that early on in in his life so um yeah i Mm -hmm. think that's a big deal and we can talk all day about how husbands are the head of the wives as the scripture says but well, when we look at what biblical headship is, when we begin to see that you know, your job as headship, here's what it means, is that your job is to um, em- empathically evaluate the life of your wife and help her move one more step down the road to uh, empowerment and becoming what God has called her to be. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's too many women pushing back on that con- that concept of headship. Yeah, you know, um, but that's not how we've presented it over time.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So, yeah,
1: might mean a little less football sometimes. Well, all the time. I,
0: I think you can take it too far. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I I think you can go too far. I know. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: my my thing is this: is yeah. if
0: you do this between Monday and Wednesdays, <laughs> do it on Fridays and do it on Saturdays. Yeah. Yeah. Then Thursday nights yeah. and, and Sundays right. are probably all yours. Yeah. A, yeah. 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 You so, just you
1: reap what you sow there. That's right. <laughs> all right. So, what we're going to see is that
0: when, when we hear about Jerusalem and the walls of Jerusalem, that he's really talking symbolically of things. Um, he's actually fixing the walls, but it talks about when the walls of a city are broken down, the definition of the city has been lost. It means that it's vulnerable and open for attack. Mm-hmm. See, a leader begins to defend people and help people man- put together self-defense. A leader helps people define themselves instead of the broken down loss of definition. Um, a leader creates walls of security and safety within inside of America. So a husband who comes home and screams at his wife, that's why I'm always asking when I'm doing a wedding, and I'm doing the pre-marriage counseling, I'm always asking the young lady, does your fiance scare you? Is there anything about them that scares you? Because usually when you see rogue leadership in place, it is it will be in a form of bullying of some sort. Mm-hmm. Well, he loses his temper a lot, or he shoved me one time. Now, he's never touched me again. and And I'm like... Get the heck away from that. Yeah. That is not boy. what you want to yeah. be near. Um, so that's why a man who comes home and creates safety for his kids. Well, my dad came home and that doorbell rang. You know, we were, we didn't know whether we should hide or whether we should go down and hug his leg, you mm-hmm. know, as little kids. Because we weren't sure what we were going to get from him. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Yeah. So it's a really interesting story and we'll read a lot into it but uh, I, I know we're running out of time on this but uh, Nehemiah's response from 800 miles away, I want you to hear this mm-hmm. and if you, I want everybody to hear it. If you, if you would read to us what he, he's evaluated, what's going on with these people, what's yeah. going on with them. Now he hasn't evaluated the walls yet. He's just evaluating your heart. And that's what a leader does. It's not, hey, how many widgets did you sell? Or did you get that fence repaired? Or, you know, why isn't supper cooked? Or whatever, however you make Nehemiah is first finding out about the person in Mm -hmm. the story. Mm -hmm. But then the story continues. Why don't you read it to us?
1: When I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven.
0: Okay. All right. Do you know how many really bad arguments in a marriage would, would not happen if when we heard something from our spouse that did not give us pleasure that we just stopped right away and didn't do anything? I mean, he fasts and prays, I mean, in this context. But immediately we react. But continue to read what he, what he prays to God. I said, I beseech you, O Lord, God
1: of heaven, the great and awesome God, who preserves the covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear now be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant, which I am praying before you now, day and night, on behalf of the sons of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the sons of Israel, which we have sinned against you. I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments nor the statutes nor the ordinances which you commanded your servant Moses. O oh Lord, I beseech you, may your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and the prayer of your servants who delight to revere your name and make your servant successful today and grant him compassion before this man. Now I was the cupbearer to the king.
0: Wow. Okay. I love this because he's really asking God for wisdom on what to do next. That is leadership. Mm -hmm. Normally we go in and we fix something and it's like, God, I need the wisdom to move next. I think Mm -hmm. I've told this story before uh, with Deanna uh, when she was kind of confused as a child yeah um it's a really nice story and and when i mean by confused uh it's not the kind of confused if you slap her and reboot her she'll you know (laughs) the operating system will reload kind of thing yeah Yeah. yeah. Um, but she was she was having some inner conflicts about with herself about she always thought she was a bad person Mm and she thought she was cheating or That she had lied when she hadn't really lied, but she thought about lying. So she felt like she was a bad person because she was, I mean, she was only like six when she was going through this. So she would go up and tell her teacher, um, I cheated on the test. And it's like, well, no, you didn't. It's like, yeah, I was thinking about looking at their paper and I wanted to look at their paper. And I feel bad because, and they'll ask, well, did you look at her paper? No, I didn't look at her paper, but I wanted to look at her paper. So she was really having this problem with, well, Dad, um, I didn't lie to you, but I wanted to lie to you. And yeah. um, I hated you, and um, I wanted to lie to you. And, and so and I feel bad that I, lie, that I wanted to lie. And uh-huh. it, was like, it was like, I don't know what's going on with you, but it was a real confusion that kind of came over her. Um, and it really did concern me and Susan because all of her teachers were beginning to say that she's coming up and confessing to things at six years old that she's not even doing. Yeah. So I remembered me and Susan prayed about it. I mean, I, we stopped and we prayed about it. I remember holding Deanna's hands and praying with her about it. And the same day that I prayed with her about it, I said, hey, why don't you hop in the car and we'll go for a ride? While we went for a ride in the car, we had to stop. I know exactly where the gas station was. I was outside pumping gas, and she was standing next to me pumping gas with me. And uh, all of a sudden, God just revealed to me what was going on with Deanna. And it was was a very dramatic... It happens to everybody, but your conscience becomes alive. Mm -hmm. And your system of knowing right from wrong... And we don't normally observe that in a person, but in Deanna, because maybe she was so vocal and so expressive as an individual that it was more apparent that it was happening to her. So mm. what she all of a sudden her conscience was evaluating right and wrong and she didn't know how to do it, but she was externally vocalizing that dilemma that most people just kind of grew through and didn't vocalize. And so all of a sudden I'm standing there pumping gas and God just says to me, oh yeah, her conscience is just coming alive. Mm. Her understanding of right and wrong. Mm. It's nothing. It's nothing to be worried about. And so this would be what theologians call the age of accountability. Mm -hmm. Is that when a child becomes to the point where they are accountable for their actions because they do know right and wrong. And so this is what was happening. And so right there in the gas station, I'm like, I got it. God told me what's going on with you. There's nothing wrong with you. It's actually a good thing. Yeah. And I'm telling you what, we sat and talked about it. We went home. I probably got her ice cream green. We went home, told it to Susan, and never had the problem again. We celebrated, we celebrated it, you know, just like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was absolutely amazing. But it, I think it only happened because I stopped and prayed. As a dad, I could have told her uh, you're just being silly. You're just being stupid, or you know, whatever. A dad would get frustrated. Not that again. Or maybe we need to take you to a counselor. Or maybe we need to put you on this medicine, or whatever. And and I'm not saying those actions are wrong. Yeah. They're just not the first one. Yeah. And for and for Nehemiah, the first action was, I have to throw myself before you. And and not only that, in his prayer, he confesses sin. Mm-hmm. He's like, okay, before I go try to fix anybody else, I got to make sure I'm right. You know? And so, Mm -hmm. not many leaders do that. They usually will go fix the errors of other people, and and their secrets remain, uh, their sins remain secret. Mm -hmm. I I love it about him. He says nothing about the condition of the people for four months, does nothing, does not talk to Artaxerxes and go, hey, you got to fix this for me, man. Your people are oppressing my people. You got to knock it off. He's like, no. For four months, he fasts and he prays before God for God to give him a plan of action because he wants God's success. So, um, what we've learned from this today is that we need to realize that the first action of leadership is prayer and humility. Mm -hmm. Evaluate and take inventory of your life with the people around you. Ask the question of other people where are you and how do you feel right now do you feel safe do you feel cherished do you feel protected uh do you feel loved those are all good leadership questions those aren't feel good questions you can say i'm a leader i don't that's not how we do it no and i think your generation has this so much better than my generation Mm -hmm. my generation was all about well do your job Mm -hmm. i mean the bill belichick mantra just do your job, um, and uh, Tom Brady's generation is what? What's his mantra? Yeah. Let's Let's go. Yeah. Let us go. Yeah. It's the call to everybody to rise up and to go, as mm-hmm. opposed to do your job. See, that's leadership on my part. Yeah. You know, and it's like no, evaluate and take inventory of the people around you. Ask others how they feel about things. How are things going? Good leadership question. Um, have empathy for other people. Remember, he's not there. He's 800 miles away. He's drinking, uh, serving um, Cabernet, whatever. Uh, whatever he's they He's drink serving drinks to the, that yeah. the leader of the Middle of the Eastern world. world. Yeah. Of the Middle Eastern world. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so, I mean, it's like, why concern yourself with what's going on with the other people? And once you know how they feel, then ask God for wisdom on what to do next. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's super important. Mm-hmm. I think how we talk to people, even about when we catch they get caught in sin, or we even catch them in sin. It's it's kind of like instead of fixing them and or rebuking them, it's like okay, where are you at? I there was a a friend of mine that had um, an absolute heinous sin. I mean, it was. It was bad, and I remember he was sitting with me, and in my office, and he confessed to this absolutely heinous sin. I mean, it was just terrible. Um, so much so I personally was like revolted mm-hmm. by the sin. But God had me do something that I just it was it was divine leadership. It wasn't my leadership. I took his hand in my hand, put my hand on him, his hand, and said, "Listen, you do not gross me out. Um, I am not repulsed by you. God loves you, and I will walk with you through this." Um, I that was all God. My thought was, "Hey, uh, I'll call sled on your way out the door." Mm-hmm. Um, but it was like oh no before you go trying to fix him or how did this happen to you or how did you get to this place in your life it was like you need to ask this guy how do you feel and you got to make him feel safe because right now the tendency would be to feel judged Mm -hmm. um, or i was going to fix him i didn't know how to fix him and the only thing i felt god told me to do is just let Don't let this guy leave without feeling, letting him know he's not hopeless and he's, that he's not unloved. Mm -hmm. I mean, he, I mean, that he's, that he's loved. And that was the best leadership thing I could do for his life. Um, When compared to what he was going through, I had nothing. I was just a cupbearer. I I didn't, I didn't have the expertise to fix him. And, but what I could do is just for that moment, is leap over that boundary of 800 miles between me and him because I hadn't done what he had done and to leap over that 800 miles and to grab a hold of his hand and let him know that he was loved by God and and I had I told him I loved him and that I would walk with him through this situation in his life um he doesn't jump up and say hey I'm your leader come follow me Mm -hmm. and when we look at the incarnation isn't that the great thing is God doesn't send some prophet with ten more, or, or maybe let's just say five less of the Ten Commandments. But rather, he, Jesus crosses etern- over into et- from eternity into time and space in human flesh so that he could grab our hands and hold us and look us in the eyes and, and you know, come unto me all you who are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's leadership. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know.
1: No, it's, it's good.
0: So we're going to be looking at this a lot. Um, and I think this is the kind of leadership the world's looking for.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Remember, God's going to use this pattern of leadership to rebuild Jerusalem. Right. In the middle of Babylonian captivity. Yeah. I mean, this is like terrible. So no matter what we go home to today, no matter what we think about the United States and its division and it's fallen from grace and and all that um, just know where's God looking for you know he's looking for a man or woman who are going about their daily business of pouring drinks that are willing to care about people that are you know removed from them yeah to look outside of their own job satisfaction their own subdivision look over the fence and maybe help the person next door. Mm -hmm. That's leadership. And I think every one of us are called to it. Yeah. So, any questions about any of this? It's a really good story. Yeah. I love Nehemiah. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Brian, are there any comments out there from anybody about the equinox or anything like that?
1: (laughs) No, (laughs) nothing in particular. Nothing in particular about the equinox. No, nothing out there. Well, they, they learned something tonight.
0: Okay. You know. Yeah. Well then once you leave us somewhere. Oh,
1: well. Lord if one of the things that I've taken away most from this is that can't do any of this without you. So we seek you first and foremost. God, if there's sin in our lives, bring it to our attention, just like Nehemiah did. And God, I pray that you give us empathy, give us your heart for those around us, not so that we look at people and see what we can get out of them if we make them feel safe or not, that we look at people and, and try to see what they could better offer, um, the world around us. If we just give them a little bit of belief and shove, but Lord, that you would help us to understand their heart, what exactly how they feel and that they would feel safe because we're just there for them as representatives of your heart. Thank you so much for your son. Thank you that he demonstrated this so perfectly for us. It's in his name we pray,
0: amen. Amen. All right, well, go get your pumpkin spice. Um, Even though it's been available since, what, July? (laughs) <laughs> right, right, yeah, yeah. They got. That's how it always. They're gets. definitely not meteorologically. No, they're
1: definitely meteorologically, yeah.
0: astrologically. Oh, I tell you what, who got the seasons all screwed up is Lowe's and Home Depot. They what already got they Christmas doing? stuff I up?
1: I went to Costco. They're selling. They're already selling yeah. stuff. Oh. That's how they do it, though. It's gotta go. All right, well, folks. And, and this heat, too. So oh, hopefully yeah. that'll be on its way
0: out. I hope so too. And then we'll be right into fall. Oh, that'd be awesome. Oh, All right, have a great night. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs>